it is two weeks since Easter, where we were celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. And last week I was talking to you about how the disciples lived after the experiences that they've gone through. So I want to conclude with that theme this morning. And Jeff, who's been redundant for a week, is, is on tonight. So it's going to be a great evening. If you brought a Bible with you, I'd like to read two short, one short passage and one longer passage from the book of Acts. So we'll read from Acts chapter 1 and then into Acts chapter 2. <clears throat> Call this talk the same as last week, living in a new reality. And, uh, of course, Jesus brought his disciples into a new reality. Things that seemed impossible at one time were now made possible. So they were living, or began to live in that new reality. Chapter 2, uh, sorry, chapter 1 of Acts. So he's writing that Luke wrote the book of Acts, the, doc the doctor, and he's writing to this um, official who was called um, Theophilus. And this is what he said. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, if you turn over to chapter 2, we read about that experience. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. 
Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they had too much wine. <clears throat> then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews, and all of you who live in Jerusalem, <clears throat> let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire, billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. I think that's as far as we'll go with. <clears throat> um. These disciples had walked with Jesus for three and a half years. He had called them from their fishing business, a lot of them. Um, others were, uh, Matthew, for instance, was a tax collector. And the others had other jobs. He had called them to follow him. And he had raised their expectation level. They saw things no one else had, had seen. Blind eyes were open. Deaf ears were unstopped. Crippled limbs uh, were healed. They left their crutches behind and uh, they went away from his meetings, walking, leaping and praising God. And they had seen amazing things. And uh, it, it, even the raising of the dead, Jesus raised three people from the dead while he was here. <clears throat> um, so Jesus said that he had come from God but he was returning to God. He was from the kingdom that had created the physical world, the world we see, and the unseen world of powers and gravity and, and, and magnetism and all, all the, the, the gamma rays and all the... He had created, he had come from another world, and he said he was going back to that other world while he was here, he was limited in what he did. Rather like um, on, a, on a, a wagon, a vehicle, you have what they call a governor, that it can only go so fast. <laughs> so it's restricted. When Jesus was here, he was restricted to a, a man anointed by God. He could be hungry, he could be tired, could be disappointed. He, he, he felt all the same things and emotions that we feel. <clears throat> this is what Philippians 2 says about that condescending act. He said, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and took the humble position of a slave, was born as a human being. He laid aside his glory. There was just one point in his life where people did see 
a, a glimpse of that eternal glory that he had had with the Father before the world existed. And it was on the Mount of Transfiguration where Peter, James, and John were with him. And they saw that his face became shining and his clothes were whiter than snow. They were white and glistering. And they saw a glimpse of the glory that he had had with his father before the world existed. But while he was here, in the main, he limited himself to being a man anointed by God. You might remember that as he was baptized in the River Jordan by John the Baptist, John said, I really need to be baptized by you. And are you coming to me? Jesus said, let it be so now, for we've got to fulfill all righteousness. And John baptized him in the River Jordan. And as Jesus came out of the river, the Holy Spirit descended upon him in a bodily form like a dove and rested upon him. Of course, he was driven into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, and he returned in the power of the Spirit, and then he went out into his ministry, doing mighty works, preaching inspirational messages, changing people's lives, lifting beggars from the rubbish heap and putting them among princes. And his ministry began, really, when the Holy Spirit came upon him. <clears throat> he did everything as a man anointed by God. Now, when we were in Israel recently, we went to a place called the Nazareth Village. It is a, a reconstruction of a village that would have been in the time of Jesus. And people were dressed in ancient clothes and all that. And we went into a workshop where there was a, a carpenter working with ancient tools. Now, this man, living in the 21st century had um, access to modern power tools. He could, have, he could have got a modern electric drill or a planer or a router or those kind of things that carpenters use. He could have had modern equipment to ease, but he was using old tools. And next door to him, there was a lady spinning wool on an old spinning wheel. And they got this wool, this coarse uh, lamb's wool, sheep's wool, and she was spinning it as they would have done in Bible days. Though she was a 21st century woman that could have had access to the most modern spinning uh, uh, machines that would save her almost doing anything, she, for a short period, was spinning in the old way. She was just doing it for us. Now, in a similar way, Jesus did not use his, his great divine power, but he limited himself to being a man anointed by God. And this is the challenge to each of us. He was showing us how we could live in a world like we live in today. <clears throat> he even said, greater works than these that I've done, greater works will you do because I'm going back to the Father. Now, it wasn't greater in 
um, the individual works because Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead um, after four days, but it was greater in number. And all down the centuries of the church age, people have been um, wonderfully converted to Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, have been healed of real serious diseases and illnesses all down the ages. <clears throat> so the first disciples, they began to live in this reality. Jesus had sent them on his mini preaching tours. He gave them authority over sicknesses to heal them. And they came back, they said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Jesus said, don't rejoice that you can do those sort of things, but rejoice that your name is written in heaven. Now, after Jesus had been raised to life, <clears throat> their faith level had risen. But the next phase of their living in a new reality was the most important, and it's probably the most relevant for us because we have not walked with Jesus in the earthly sense of the word as the first disciples did. Uh, this phase is applicable to us, <clears throat> for anyone in the church age. Now, Jesus said, before he went back to heaven, he said, don't go preaching yet. Don't go telling anybody about my death that was a, a, a price to pay for the sins of the world. Don't go telling that. And don't go telling about the resurrection yet. Or, but wait. Wait for the promise that my father told you about. <clears throat> now, I was thinking, in fact, we were talking about this in the group I go to. What if there had been no Holy Spirit? What if Jesus had not promised the coming of the Holy Spirit. The people who had witnessed the resurrection, no doubt, would have told the story with powerless words. They may have been able to talk to their friends and family and anybody who would listen. But I put it to you, that they would hardly have been able to convince the crowds of what had happened. And eventually, I think, Peter and Andrew would have gone back to the fishing business in Galilee. I think James and John would have rejoined the family firm with their dad. I think Matthew might have gone back to the, his old job at the tax office. <laughs> uh, there would have been no church born Saul of Tarsus would never have been converted. <clears throat> Christianity would have been reduced to a philosophical religion, recognized only as a kind of nice way to live. But Jesus said, I'm sending someone else when I'm going. I'm going back to heaven where I came from. But I'm not going to leave you abandoned. I am going to send someone else that will be with you forever. So Jesus um, died at the feast of the Passover. There was 40 days, and then Jesus ascended up to heaven, and then there were 10 days before the feast of Pentecost. Now, in those 10 days, the disciples, I am sure, it says they were praying, 
They were probably getting right with one another. How many of you know these disciples were not the easiest people to get on with? Jesus, there was a couple called James and John. Do you know what Jesus called them? The sons of thunder. You've met one or two like that, haven't you? You might be sitting next to one. <clears throat> the sons of thunder. They went to a Samaritan village one day and the villagers didn't want to receive Jesus. So James and John had a bright idea. They said, Lord, shall we call down fire from heaven and consume them all, just like Elijah did? Fancy some of them in your congregation. <laughs> Thomas, he was a bit of a doubter. If he said it's a lovely day, Thomas said they've given out rain later. Who would want him like a ball and chain round your ankles? These people were, these people, and they were always arguing, you know what the pet argument was? Who's going to be the greatest? And they weren't all saying, after you, after you. They were all saying, after me, after me. They all wanted to be top dog. So those 10 days from the time when Jesus ascended to the day of Pentecost, I believe they were just getting right with one another. It became a harmonious, wonderful group of people. Maybe they had apologized one another. I'm sorry, I'm sorry I said that. I'm sorry I did that. I meant my attitude was, I think they were just getting right with the Lord. <clears throat> and so we come to the day of Pentecost. Pentecost means 50th, the Greek word, 50th. It was 50 days after the feast of the Passover. <clears throat> now, the feast of the Passover <clears throat> was where they sacrificed a lamb in commemoration of their deliverance from Egypt. Now, they had to eat this lamb with unleavened bread, bread made without yeast. <clears throat> and uh, in, in other parts of the New Testament, it tells us that um, Christ, our Passover, has been sacrificed for us. So let us keep the feast, not with the bread of the, the, the leaven of wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So in Christ, there was no sin. There was no evil. There was no malice in any way. He is a type of that unleavened bread of the feast of the Passover. But when you come to the day of Pentecost, which is about the church and the birth of the church, the ancient priest would wave two loaves baked with leaven. And leaven in the Bible, or leaven or yeast in the Bible, is usually seen in an evil way. Just a small amount, a little bit of evil gets everywhere. And uh, Jesus said to them, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and scribes and of Herod, because that legalism gets into people, that hypocrisy gets into people, and it seems to creep everywhere. Beware of that. So leaven speaks of evil, generally speaking, in the New Testament. And these two, because there's still, there's still uh, bits of evil in the church today. <clears throat> I've told you before that there's only two people in this church that are without reproach, that is my wife and I. And on occasions, <laughs> I worry about her. <laughs> in the church, 
But you have to have the Passover before you have Pentecost. Now, there is an ancient ritual way back in the Old Testament um, when they were camped in the wilderness. If someone had an infectious disease, and of course leprosy was a killer of a disease in those days, but any infectious disease, if you had an infectious disease, you had to be outside of the camp until the infection had ceased. It was an isolation policy, which, of course, we use even today, don't we? With COVID. <laughs> Not to mention the C word. <laughs> well, but, but when they were cured, they were brought back into the camp. And when they were brought back into the camp, they had to kill a lamb. And they... After they had killed the lamb, the priest would catch the blood in a, in a basin, and this is what he would do. He would put his finger in the blood, and he would touch the right earlobe of the, the person cured, and he would put some blood on the thumb of the right hand, and he would, then he would put some blood on the toe of the right foot. <clears throat> and then after he had done that, he got a log of oil, olive oil, and he would anoint and put the oil on the, on the ear and then on the thumb and then on the great toe. <clears throat> the oil followed the blood. The, the feast of Pentecost, where, where Jesus died for the sins of the whole world, but on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Ghost came. The power of God came. You, you've got to have, you've got to have the blood first and the Pentecostal experience next. And uh, so uh, the apostle uh, Paul, he said to some believers in, in Ephesus, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believe? Well, it turned out they weren't quite kosher believers, but he didn't know that. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? So we come to this experience that we looked at in the book. On the day of Pentecost, the 50th day after the, the feast of the Passover, and uh, these people who have been praying together and seeking God. I was watching the other day on YouTube the story of the Azusa Street Revival. Many of you might not ever even have heard of it. But it was the birthplace, really, of the modern Pentecostal movement, where uh, a, a, a one-eyed African man by the name of William Seymour prayed. And uh, he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And there was such amazing thing. I mean, William Seymour would pray five hours a day. Talk about conviction. I came under conviction. He'd pray for five hours a day. They saw phenomenal things in that old uh, corn mill in, uh, in Los Angeles there. And people came from all over the world to, to experience. And he said the place was packed out with canes that people had left you know, AIDS and things that had been healed of their sicknesses and, 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 and diseases and all, about, about, about things like that. And when we were growing up, we had what we call waiting meetings, where we would wait for the Holy Spirit to come in, in power. 
I remember being in one of these waiting meetings uh, at my wife's, before she was my wife. She was Assemblies of God before she saw the light. And, <laughs> and I remember we were in this waiting meeting in the back hall. It was packed, packed with all seekers seeking the, the, more of God. And the, the preacher, he took his coat off and he rolled his sleeves up. I thought, what are we getting? What are we getting here? <laughs> we were all just seeking the Lord and just wanting more of Jesus. How many of you in this service this morning and those watching online, how many of you would like to see more of the power of God in your life? More of a touch of heaven among us. And on the day of Pentecost, it was nine o'clock in the morning. They even hadn't even had a cup of coffee. It was nine o'clock in the morning. And suddenly, there was a sound from heaven. Oh, there are many sounds in life, aren't there? I like to hear the sounds of heaven to you. The sound from heaven. Oh, praise God. Lord, fill our lives with the sound from heaven. Let us, give, let us get something more of heaven down here upon the earth. <laughs> something to lift us there rather than drag you down. Lord, we pray for the sounds of heaven to come to us. And in that room, there were about 120 of them. And the sound from heaven, like a rushing, violent wind. And all of the Mary, the mother of Jesus, she was there. Other women. Women were there, men were there, fat ones were there, thin ones were there, tall ones were there, short ones were there, thank the Lord. <clears throat> they were all there, <clears throat> 120 of them in the upper room and suddenly, suddenly God came. And this that Jesus had promised them some days before, he said, don't go preaching anything yet, but wait, wait till he comes. He, they didn't know what they were going to expect. They didn't know what to expect. But when the Holy Spirit came in power, they, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And there appeared to them tongues of fire sitting on, sitting on all of their heads. The fire usually speaks of cleansing, doesn't it? Cleansing from wrong attitudes, cleansing from wrong motivations, cleansing from residual sin and wickedness. And it, it's a, it was a cleansing and the Holy Spirit came into their lives. And they were introduced to another way of living. A different way of living. <clears throat> of course, they were happy. They were happy. It wasn't a sort of, I think it was Karl Marx, was watching people as they went to church. And they were all laughing and talking as they went to church. And when they went in the door, all the smiles switched off. And he said when they came out, they all looked like they'd been to a funeral. So it turned him off, Christianity. If he'd been there on the day of Pentecost, he wouldn't have thought that. They were all filled with the joy of the Lord. In fact, the critics said, these people, they're tipsy, they're drunk. I've never been drunk myself. Not... not with wine anyway. Been a bit tipsy on the Holy Ghost at times. <laughs> but he said, they said, these people, they're just, don't take any notice, they're just crazy people, they're drunk. But Peter stood up and he said, listen, he said, they're not drunk. These people are not drunk. It looks like it, but they're not. 
This is the fulfillment of what the prophet Joel said hundreds of years ago, where God promised that one day, instead of special people at special times, with special abilities, where the Holy Spirit had come upon one person and then uh, half a century later on another person and then another, the prophets and, and various people all down the ages have, have had the Spirit of God come upon them. Joel prophesied the Spirit that was on those particular people at those particular times is going to be poured out on everybody. <laughs> Sons and daughters would prophesy. Old men would dream dreams. Young men was going to see godly visions. And on the, the boys and girls, the servants and the hand, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all people. <laughs> and it was the day of Pentecost. <laughs> and it was one. P Peter stood up and he began to preach. <clears throat> he said, uh, he said, this is that which was spoken by, by Joel the prophet. And then he went on to tell them how what they had done to Christ, that God had sent his Messiah, but they had not recognized him. In fact, they had lifted their voice to have him crucified. He said, and you've crucified the Lord's Messiah that sent you. And he said it in a way that, that the Holy Spirit convinced. See, there's a world of difference, brothers and sisters, and I pray every time I, I talk, I say, Lord, just help me. Let it not just be words. Let it be a quickening of the, of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says the letter kills. You can have an academic acceptance of certain things up here, but it needs the Holy Spirit to apply it to us. And... Uh, <clears throat> And, and Peter applied the word, or the, the Holy Spirit applied, and they said, brothers, what shall we do? We've, is there any hope for us? We, we, we have crucified our Messiah. And Peter said, repent, he said. I'll read it for you. Let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their heart, and they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins, turn to God, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ to show that you have received forgiveness for your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and to your children and even to the Gentiles, all who have been called by God, the, the Lord our God. It was the blood and then the oil. The blood and then the oil. Get the past dealt with and be anointed with the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> a new dimension of living. And it birthed a new community. It says uh, 3,000 people were converted on that particular day. And they continued in the apostles' teaching, in fellowship, breaking of bread and prayers. They had a new understanding of things. They became so generous. It wasn't somebody saying, you ought to do this and you ought to do that. They, they, they became so generous. that they, they, Those that had possessions, they sold them and gave the proceeds to the poor people. And they had a new joy. <clears throat> it says they were in the temple and in the home. They were worshipping God with glad and sincere hearts, praising God. These people were happy people. They were full of God, they were full of grace, and they were full of the Holy Spirit. 
And uh, Peter, of course, and John, they were going to the, um, the temple at the hour of prayer, uh, and they saw a crippled man. Now, this crippled man, he'd been there. He was over 40 years of age, this, this, this guy. And uh, he was begging, like we see in town here. He was begging for some money. And Peter and John said uh, to him, he said, he said, silver and gold we don't have. But I've got something you might be interested in. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He got hold of his hand. He lifted him up. The Bible says his feet and his ankle bones received strength. And he walked into church, walking, leaping, and praising God. <laughs> what a way to come to church, eh? <laughs> Hallelujah. Not bothered about the kids and the blood. And I've, you've had a fall. I think the devil gets up early Sunday morning, causes arguments among the saints. <laughs> you come into church a bit... We're just getting warmed up by the end. <laughs> this guy, after he'd gotten healed, he was walking and leaping and, and praising God. Uh, another reality, and I'll just conclude, well, I'll nearly conclude with this. <laughs> another reality was the stubborn resistance of the religious authorities. They had no explanation for the resurrection. You might remember from the accounts in the Gospels that <clears throat> on the morning of the resurrection, um, or be just before, the, the, before the, the day of resurrection, they had gone to Pilate and they've said, you know that deceiver, that Jesus guy, that deceiver, uh, he said after three days I'm going to rise again. Now, would you give us some soldiers to watch the tomb because we don't want the disciples coming and saying that we don't want the disciples rolling the stone away sneaking the body away and saying ha he's risen so would you give us some soldiers to guard it so he said you've got to watch you 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 uh, arrange it so they arranged that soldiers would be there they sealed the the tomb with 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 a roman seal that, that uh, was, was binding. But on the morning of the resurrection, when the angel of the Lord descended and uh, rolled the stone away and Jesus rose, those soldiers were guarding the tomb. They were terrified. And they went back into the city. And the authorities said, listen, we're going to give you a lot of money, but you've got to keep your mouth shut. You've got to say... The disciples came and stole the body while we were asleep. That's the story. And the scripture says that that story went round the people at that particular time. Now, these Jewish authorities, they knew that wasn't true. They knew that wasn't true. They knew they perpetrated a lie. Now, the apostles come and they're, and they're preaching that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. They're saying, we have seen him. We've walked with him. We've ate and drank with him. He's alive. And we're preaching that forgiveness of all sins can be made because of this. And these, authority, these people in authority, they stubbornly refused. There is none so blind as them that won't see. <clears throat> if the authorities had been able to produce a body, the body of Jesus, 
Christianity would have been dead at birth. They couldn't produce the body. The disciples were so distraught. If Christ had not risen, they couldn't have been preaching the way they did and affirming things that they knew deep down in their hearts were not true. These people had seen something. They had begun to live in a new reality, a new dimension of living. <clears throat> and I believe, brothers and sisters, that God wants us to live in a similar way, in a new dimension of living. Oh, I don't know about you, but I get depressed when I watch the news. Actually, well, I watch the news, but I still get depressed. But to, to be in touch with heaven, to be in touch with a new reality. And as I close, I, I, I better finish now because we've, we've been going on a little bit. <clears throat> the gospel triumphed. Wherever the gospel went, it triumphed. And within a few short years, the whole area had become believers. And, uh, and the Apostle John, when he was on the island of Patmos in isolation, he saw a vision of the end times when it will all be over, when this world will be rolled up, as it were, and, 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 and the end of the age will come. He saw a number in heaven. He said it was so big. He said it was a number that nobody could number. He said, I looked as far as the eye could see. There were people, 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 all redeemed by the precious blood of Christ, all wonderfully saved, all rejoicing in a new life in Christ. <clears throat> Christ wants to come into all of our lives. Jesus said himself, didn't he? You've got to be born again to be in this kingdom. You, except we're born again, we cannot see the kingdom of God. <clears throat> so as we look forward um, to this coming year, we've just passed Easter. We've just celebrated the resurrection of Jesus. How many of us want to live in that post-resurrection era? How many of us want to live? We've been to the cross Let's be filled with the Spirit. What's it say? Be being filled with the Spirit. That's the word. Keep on being filled. <clears throat> Hallelujah. I would love to fill my car up with petrol. Oh, no, it's diesel, mine. Sorry. <clears throat> I would love to fill it right to the very brim and never have to fill it up again. <laughs> I have a shave every morning. I would love to have a really good shave. Every whisker disappeared, and that will be it for the rest of my life. But it doesn't happen like that. The car needs refilling. <laughs> we need reshaving, <laughs> some of us. <clears throat> <laughs> to whom it may concern. <clears throat> be being filled. Be being filled with the Holy Spirit. I've asked um, Andy... If we can sing this lovely old song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Yeah. I think that's what we're having, isn't it? Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And whatever difficulties and problems you may be facing today, I want to ask you to turn your eyes upon Jesus. And if some of you have never really committed your life yet to Christ, to following Jesus, I want to say to you, what's holding you back? Come right in.
Give your life to him. Do what we've all had to do. Come to that foot of the cross, that old rugged cross. Apologize for all the things you've done wrong, the things you didn't do that you ought to have done, the things that you did do that you should never have done. Tell him everything. Apologize for the past. Come to the Passover and then ask for the oil of the Holy Spirit to fill you and thrill you and you walk in the power. It was Paul the Apostle, he said, walk in the Spirit and you won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Amen. I've finished. I'm I can't land the plane. <laughs> That's it. Uh,